Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Opportunity Knocks. I am your host, Dean Miller. We've never done this before, but today we are unofficially sponsored by self-aggrandizing uh, pr promotion here, if you live here on Facebook. Um, today's episode is going to be about the restaurant business, about consulting, about marketing, about all things necessary to start a business and pay attention even if you're not in the hospitality business because the lessons you will learn from today's guest will be just as valuable if you're willing to be open-minded uh, and think outside of your box. Um, I've always been a big believer in that there is no such thing as living inside the box. Everything yeah. <laughs> exists outside of it. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about my show, If You Live Here, which is on Facebook at If You Live Here. Uh, we're also on Instagram. Take a look at it. It's going to explain to you how this relationship was created, how it's evolving, and where we plan to go with it with the use of yet another plug, our, our new company, The Business Beacon. Today's guest is a restaurant consultant. He's an app developer. He's all things in the hospitality industry. Uh, and we've got mutual friends, which is yep. yet another, you know, the, the six degrees of separation days are long gone. It's, pro <laughs> it's probably two in most cases, and in those rare cases, maybe three. All right. uh, but today's guest is Ed Fami from a to Z Consulting. Ed, thank you so much for coming into the studio my and doing pleasure. this. My pleasure. It's my pleasure. So Ed and I originally connected, like we were talking real briefly before we went on the air today. He was lurking social media, and because he's in the restaurant and hospitality business, he stumbled across one of our videos from If You Live Here. Mm -hmm. Ed, tell us a little bit about the story, and then let's dive into who you so, are and what you do. You know, part of my job as a restaurant consultant is to stay ahead of the curve and see what's going on in the food world. So, you know, a lot of my uh, feeds that pop up on my uh, social media have to do with restaurants. And I came across the video you did. I believe it was with uh, a pizzeria in Roslyn. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, uh, Joe, Joanne's like, wow, gourmet. This, this is awesome. How come I have never seen this before? And I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. He's in Long Island. And then I looked up your page on, on Facebook and it said, call now. And I was like, all right, let's see. Maybe you'll pick up the phone. And I called and you actually picked yeah. up. So it was pretty cool. And then I told you what I do. And you know, we, uh, it's great when those call to action buttons, as we refer to them, actually work the way that they're designed to, isn't and it? On both sides. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? It's sad because a lot of people, A, don't set them up. You yep. have them on Instagram. You have them on Facebook. And nobody takes advantage of setting them up according to the kind of business you're in. That's right. Because they could be very useful. So there's, there's tip number one for our listeners. If you're going to do something, make sure you do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. But a lot of times it's been coming up in conversations I've been having lately, that 80% rule. Get right. something to 80% and launch it, right. run it and Absolutely. find out where it's broken and go fix it. And then focus on the remaining right. 20%, work on 80% there mm -hmm. to keep growing. So simple little things like setting up your call to action buttons right. that call now or do this. If you're going to tell of a consumer course. what or to do. Or order now if you're a restaurant. Exactly. You know, and that, I mean, that's yeah. where I was going with this. Yeah. Um, we, we spoke a couple times. Mm -hmm. You made arrangements for us to go do an episode of our show in one of the establishments that mm -hmm. you've been working with, the Beth Page Burger Bar. Shout out to them. Yep. Fantastic burgers, great personalities. But the be all end all is don't eat too much at the table because you need dessert. Yeah. What What's her name? Um, damn, I just forgot. Monet. It. Monet. Miss yeah. Monet makes the most <laughs> insane milkshakes you will ever imagine. 
they're topped off half the time with uh, with uh, the chunky the cookies. chunky cookies from Heather fried fried how do you uh, I don't know how to fried fritig Heather I, I apologize Heather from chunky yeah, cookies Heather from chunky cookies so there's another plug we're putting out there for you today if you love food and listen if you're not afraid of a little diabetic borderline stuff there the sugar in it but it is absolutely mind blowing yep. stuff and Heather Heather and I have been going back and forth we're gonna go do an episode with her in awesome. the in the commercial kitchen she's using but she is absolutely blowing up and oh, her yeah. time. She's, she, I mean, listen, and, and she started it all like, you know, sitting at home, just she decided to bake some cookies out of her house yep. and went on social media and it just went viral. It went crazy. It's, it's insane. And, and now you see them everywhere. I don't know if she's the absolute creator of it, but she had an idea that was right. that stemmed from something. Right. And she's built herself a nice cottage, little cottage business out of it. And she's doing she's doing so well. Yeah. She doesn't have time to breathe right I, now. I think she's doing better than she ever imagined. Yeah. And I, I'm, I couldn't be happier. She actually made a guest appearance on that episode from the Burger Bar mm -hmm. in part yeah, two yeah. of that episode, yeah. which was great to have her there. And, and we're looking forward to hopefully her getting a little bit more time to breathe. Not that we want her business to slow down, but hopefully right, we right. can get some time to spend with her yeah, in, I mean, in the we're, new year. We're moving hundreds of cookies a week. Just out of the one spot. Part, just out of that one location. Yeah. So I can only imagine the volume she's yeah. doing. And God bless, you know. And this is amazing. this is the beauty of social media. I mean, how did how did you find the, how did you find Heather? Let's talk about that. Social media. There, there you go. <laughs> so, listen, the, the social media is so powerful right yep. now. It's it's beyond ridiculous. I, I don't know if you watch the news. The past couple of days, the restaurant in Astoria, Queens, where the guy put his table outside. No. So the day that they stopped indoor dining in the right. city, uh, a chef, his name is Rocco Sacramone. He happens to be a friend of mine. Okay. And one of the best restaurants in literally the country. Okay. I'm not even under-exaggerating. And this is in Astoria? In Astoria, What's Queens. What's the name it's of it? It's called Trattoria L'Encontro. Okay. If you ever want to go have dinner there, we'll go together. <laughs> you get, hey, I'm always up for it, a good it's meal. It's an experience. So what he did when they shut down the indoor dining, he took out a table. He had his staff sit on the table outside while it's snowing the day of the snowstorm. Right. And he goes, thank you, New York City, for indoor dining. And he's eating a pizza with snow on the plate and mozzarella. He's <laughs> <laughs> snow falling on the plate. And the video went viral. Since last week, since the snowstorm, which I believe was Thursday, he's been on Good Day New York. Oh, that's great. Uh, the guy, El Presidente from Barstools, just did yep. a half hour episode with him. I mean, four million views. It just went ballistic. Fox and Friends. So something like that, where he thought outside the box, trying to make a statement to the mayor and governor of New York, it went viral to such an extent I've never seen anything like it. That he's getting something positive out oh, of it. Oh, something huge. They started a GoFundMe page for yep. him. People were coming while he's filming the video with the Barstool Sports Bike. People were driving from all over the Tri-State area just to buy food just from to him get to support the business. I love it. So I, it's just... Social media is incredible. It is. And it, it's created so many wonderful opportunities for Absolutely. us. And what I'm learning is the harder we try to do more of it, the, the, the more we, we put out there the more these opportunities are growing exponentially. Right, absolutely. You know, we, we make one connection, you and I. Heather comes as a result of that. Right. I look at what's going on with her. I start to pay attention to things differently mm -hmm. because it's not about me. It's about what I, you know, a, part of what drives me is what I can do to be a benefit to other people. Right. I've always been a proponent, and I haven't said it in a while because I was over saying it, but 
my my focus in life is when I get out of bed in the morning, I never do it with the intention of how much money am I going to make today. It's how much of a difference can I make for right. other people or what you can accomplish. And that's and that's right. exactly it. As a result, the byproduct of doing those things means the money that I need in life typically shows up. Right. Uh, yes, we got bills to pay. I'm not Pollyanna-ish about any of this kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but you go in with that right mindset. And every day I get up and I look and I'm like, who can I connect with today? How can I connect other people? Absolutely. When you go to a networking meeting. I for decades, I couldn't stand going to them because everybody would walk in and say, coming from the real estate side, you know, anybody looking to buy or sell, buy or sell, buy or sell. It was always about what you can do for me. Right. I got invited to one about a year and a half ago. And it just, it was kind of, I was being invited as a favor, as a favor to someone else. Cause I was starting to do the media thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and they wanted me to talk to some people about it. And I walked in and I said, if I'm going to go, how do I go into this? And I walked into everybody and I said, nice to meet you. What's, what's your biggest business problem? Right. And that was it. And I listened for right. how can I connect them with someone right. else? I wanted no referrals. Right. What nothing can I coming. do for you instead of what can you do for me? And that mindset stuck with me when I, when mm -hmm. I looked at how many calls I got within the next 72 hours from people who I had met there. Thank you so much. It was eye-opening. I appreciate mm -hmm. you connecting me with this one, that one, or that one. Right. And, you know, I've lived in a world where I run around and tell people all the time, yeah, I've got a guy for that or a woman for that. Right, I got, exactly. got a guy or a gal for that <laughs> because I do, you know, your, your, your network of course. Determines what you're worth at the end of the day. A hundred percent. Building that network is the most important thing you could do. Yep. And that's why, like, like we, we got to talking and we realized we've got a mutual friend in Rev Ciancio mm -hmm. who is, Rev is, is uh, he's been a guest on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I've been out, uh, you know, I had to travel 3,000 miles to meet him face to face the first oh, wow. time ever a couple of years ago. We met at a, at a marketing summit out in San Diego. Uh, went on a beer tour, had a wonderful time. Oh, he's awesome. He's great to hang out with he's, he's, and eat with. He yeah, knows if, his food. If you, and he is on a massive mission to lose weight yeah. as a result of what he does and he's killing it I, yeah. I it's he's a great he's a great story to listen to and to watch and, and he's one of those yeah, people yeah. that you definitely need to engage with and yeah. we talked brilliant marketing stuff with him it was the first disaster i had on the podcast when i brought him on we were doing it via Streamyard early early in the during the pandemic time mm -hmm. um i think it was april or may uh, and we're streaming it and he's like, come on, let me do a screen share. And he walked me through this whole presentation on how people to do with marketing. Right. And I forgot to hit the record button on the videos, oh, uh, <laughs> but the audio still carries so much weight. Yeah. So building relationships, obviously the key, but let, let's go back. How did you get into the restaurant consulting business? Well, um, I, I was in the restaurant business pretty much my whole life. Okay. Since I'm 14 years old, my first job was as a waiter. Um, worked as a busboy, maitre d', catering halls, things like that. I, I bought a restaurant in the early 90s with a friend of mine just because it was there. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love the business. So I've been in and out of the restaurant bar business pretty much my whole life. Okay. Um, uh, in my latest stint in the restaurant business, I had a lot of failures. And, and it was because I worked with consultants. I worked with people that we're giving us wrong advice and kind of leading us in wrong directions. We made a lot of bad decisions. So after losing a lot of my own money, a lot of my partner's investments, um, and being in the business for so long, you know, people were coming to me asking, I was the one people were asking for advice. And I said, you know what, let me turn this into a business. You know, I can, I can kind of help people make a living out of it and do something I really enjoy because I like the challenges of setting up a new location, solving problems and fixing situations and gearing people in the right direction and tying in technologies and things of that nature. So, you know, it's something I love to do. So 
I said, you know what, let me start a consulting firm. And, you know, I decided to call it A to Z consulting because, you know, people would ask me, so what do you do in the, I said, I do everything mm -hmm. kind of from A to Z and it just stuck, you know, I said, it works. Right, A to Z consulting. And, you know, in the beginning it was hard because when you're not established and you don't have a reputation or a list of referrals you can give people, you know, a lot of people are not going to trust in you. So I, I did a lot of work for free. I did a lot of pro bono stuff. I worked with clients for like peanuts just to cover gas money to get to the location. And, you know, after establishing myself for a couple of years, I got to the point where I had enough, you know, clientele, enough of a, a, a reputation base and built my reputation up. And, you know, calls started coming in, you know, I love it. That, that whole concept of work for free, you know, we, with our team here, we all, we're all surrounded by the Gary Vaynerchuk world. And you listen to Gary preach. If you don't have it, go work for free, make right. your bones, do the, do the right yeah, thing. Yeah. And that's what and I there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of pushback from that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that as an employer, I look at that and say to people, you know, it's not that I want to take advantage of you. It's that my goal is to help you get where you want to go in life. You know, right. one of the things that, that I learned about myself very quickly when I was in the restaurant business, everybody I hired, I'd sit down with them and, you know, management would have the interviews and I'd have the final interview kind of, there was a fine line you needed right. to get crossed to get, to get hired. And it was a little bit of arrogance on my part, but I wanted good people. Right. And I said to everybody, okay, you've, you've made it through all these other loopholes to get to the final interview with me. Your money's been discussed. Everything else has been discussed. We're in agreement. Now I sit down with them and say, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm -hmm. And if people would say to me doing a slightly better version of the job that they were being hired for, and this is in the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. We literally have GMs, chefs, sous chefs, people from all over the place, high-end bartenders, staff, all the way down to dishwashers and the guy who scrubs the floor at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And I would look at all of them and say, if that's where you want to, if, if a slightly better version of what you're doing today is where you cheat, you hope to be in five years, you don't have the motivation. I didn't want you working here with me. Right. And I looked at everybody that way. Right. You know, we were up in Hell's Kitchen. We had a lot of theater people and artsy people, and they wanted to evolve into other things. Had one kid, and he was a kid. He's, he has had aspirations to be on Broadway, as many do, who, mm -hmm. who yeah, are yeah. in the service business, especially, especially, in, yeah. especially in the city. And I said, terrific. What can I do to help you get there? He's like, I don't know. You know anybody in the business? I said, look where we're located. You know, that's our that's our clientele we've had set producers and, right. and show directors. producers and directors and rumor had it clive davis sat down at my bar i wasn't there i'm still to this day pissed off that i wasn't there <laughs> there to meet him um but I, he said you know i, I want to get on broadway and i know what i have to do to do it and the kid went to auditions constantly i just always kept my ears open and oh. sure enough customer came in the second and third time we started to get to know each other and he says, yeah, I'm taking this show on the road. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. We're going to do a traveling a traveling version of the show. Immediately, I thought of the guy behind the bar. And I called him up. And I said, I'm going to connect you with this guy. The rest is on you. Right. Sure enough, he didn't get the role he wanted for that show. But he got a secondary role. He wanted the lead. He got a second or third level. Which might have led to something else. And I told him, I said, this is why I'm here. We had another girl who wanted to get into the Army. She said she had to take the test and she didn't have time to study. And I said, okay, every day I'm at the office, uh, I'm in the office during your shift, get someone to cover. You come downstairs with me for 30 minutes a day and I'll study with right, you. Right. It was always about what we could do to connect people and get them to where they wanted to be. And I think that's one of the things I love most about the hospitality industry mm -hmm. is it is a very incestuous industry. Most people at some point or another start to get to know each other, yeah. everybody else. <laughs> everybody. You know? um, but Restaurateurs, and, and I don't just mean chefs who buy restaurants, people who get into the industry in any format, 
tend to be some of the most caring, giving people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. They're always looking out for someone else. At the end of the day, they're always looking to line their pockets, which is what they go to work for course, in many I cases. Mean, you know. But they're always, they've always got each other's back. I've never seen an industry where at the end of a shift, everybody waits for everyone else. So they right, go, right. go go hang out in someone else's right, establishment right, exactly. for yeah, two they hours. Definitely, they, it creates some good bonds with the staff because yeah. they're kind of, they're in the trenches together, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and when it's a bad night, they all have a bad night. That's when it's right. a good night, they're all celebrating together. Yep. So it creates that it was bond. those It was those bad nights that I liked the most from a team building standpoint because I always knew where they were hanging out. When I was in the city, I was 99 times out of 100, I was the one to lock the door at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. But I always knew where they were going and I'd call the bartender. I'm like, do me a favor. Buy them, the buy them, buy them all around. I'll come, come see me tomorrow. I'll do this. Right. And it was great because they appreciated things like that. Right, right. Of course. Uh, sometimes you got to celebrate. Sometimes you got to commiserate. Mm-hmm. So let's dive a little bit more into... Um, what the business does, mm-hmm. how it's evolved. How long have you been doing it? Uh, 10 years now, a okay, little so, over 10 years. So you, you, you're dug in deep. Oh yeah. Good for very you. Very deep, very deep. And, you know, and tell us where's the majority of your business happen? Well, you know, I get, I get clients from all over, you know, thank, thankfully, since I've built my reputation and, and did all of that hard work, you know, I get international clients that, that call me up and, and, and ask for my help to work with them remotely on setting up inventory controls and employee handbooks and training guides. I have clients all over the country that call me. I've done huge projects. Like I did a huge pop-up event with Amazon Prime where they had me recreate the Carnegie Deli wow. as a promotional event to promote that show, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Okay. So we literally took a raw, empty space, turned it into the Carnegie Deli, you, when you walked into the place, it felt like you were traveling back into time, like you were in wow. 1956, from uniforms to an old payphone to old cars outside. And and they did it. It was all free. They gave away 50,000 pastrami sandwiches in 10 days. Probably. And if, if you've ever been at a Carnegie Deli, you know that's like oh, more it, like it 120 was, sandwiches. It was, it was, <laughs> if I tell you it's been two years since that event and I still can't get myself to eat a pastrami <laughs> sandwich, I was literally knee deep in yeah. pastrami. And, but it was an incredible event, lines around the corner. I mean, probably go down in history is one of the greatest pop-up events in the history of New York. And, you know, I handled the whole thing with Amazon Prime, like from the design of the place to the build out to scouting the location to the entire staff, to the implementation, to delivering sandwiches to the Today Show and the Tonight Show and every single major news publication from Entertainment Tonight. I mean, you name it. The ringmaster of the circus. Yeah, it was it was insanity. And it was literally 10 days event. And then six months later, they loved the event so much. We did a pop up food truck for the upfronts in New York City, which was even more insane because we had to do the same thing out of a food truck so wow. I, I had to have two refrigerated food trucks behind the food tr- behind the original truck to just keep feeding up because we were just literally the lines were just insane we were giving away sandwiches great was, problems was, to have yeah it was it was great and, and like i said i have international clients that come into new york and they want to come into the market and open up restaurants and then you know the majority of my business is local business you know uh, a, a young guy who whose dream was to open up a restaurant will call me up say listen i want to open up a restaurant can you help me? I was like, okay. And and I'll work with him to develop his concept, you know, and, and if it's something I think is viable, if not, you know, we'll find something else that works depending on the location they have. So it's either one of two things. Somebody's calling me up saying, hey, my restaurant's in trouble. Can you help me? B, I'm looking to open up a restaurant. And then from that, it's either I found a location or I don't know where to open up. So again, whatever position they call me from, 
I can help. You've got the track right, record. Exactly. If, if it's a matter of finding a location, I have brokers I'll work with depending on where they want to be at General ID. I'll work with a broker, find the perfect spot for them, hopefully something that's pre-built so it's less of a build-out because you never want to make too much of an investment into a build-out right. of a restaurant. You're never going to get back. Yeah. That was one of the biggest mistakes been, I made. Been there, done yeah, that. I mean, been there, done we, that, we, lost the T-shirt. <laughs> I, I lost more than a T-shirt, T-shirt, yeah. jacket, socks. I mean, for me and people that invested in me and what I believed, because again, I was guided in the wrong way, yeah. where, you know, when you get into the restaurant business, you know, it, it on paper, it looks incredible. You know, they're like, okay, you got a restaurant, there's 100 seats. And if your average spend is $40 a person, and your turnaround time is an hour, and there's 12 hours in a day, you can turn around each table every hour, you're going to make millions of dollars. And you're like, wow, I'm going to be rich. Yeah. But nobody tells you that you're never going to be as busy on a Monday and Tuesday as you are on a Saturday. Yep. So when they give you the averages, you're not taking all of that into consideration. And then your, your window for lunch is two hours. Right. Your window for dinner is three hours. So you're open 12 hours or 10 hours a day, but you're really only doing five hours of business. Nobody talks about all that downtime and exactly. all the costs what, that go along exactly. with it. Exactly. So all of that downtime, all of that cost, and then all your averages. Now you're only turning around your tables two times during mm -hmm. the dinner, three times during dinner, one time during lunch. Now your numbers start to look a little more right. bleak. Right. When you when you look at a restaurant, not to not to dive too deep into the mm -hmm. minutiae, but you got to look at that revenue per square foot Absolutely. per day, per Absolutely. hour, and understand what that and I learned I learned that the hard way, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, hundred percent. But it's it's why at one point we chose to be open five days a week as opposed to seven because I looked right. at it and said the loss on the potential days, loss yeah. on those two days being closed is so much less than it would be. Yeah. And it what it would what it really did for us that where it opened my eyes was it created more demand mm -hmm. by shutting down two days. Right. Our reservation book sure, filled up that much faster. The people that would have came on a Monday when you're closed are now going to come on a Tuesday right. because they want to eat there. Right. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with, with evaluating your hours. I mean, when you look at your overall payroll and you say, okay, listen, this costs me $200 an hour to keep this restaurant open. What does that mean? That doesn't mean if I make 200 an hour, I cover it. No, right. that means you have to make, $800 an hour to cover to that $200 to just to break even. Yeah. So if you're not doing $800 an hour, whatever, three times, whatever the cost is, you're not making money. Nope. There's no, and, you know. and that's why I preach in the foodie communities that you see online all the time. People complain, oh, I had to wait 15 minutes for my reservation or I had to send my plate back. Restaurant owners are the most generous people in the world, but they're get. I will speak on behalf of many of them who don't want to say it. They're tired of getting taken advantage yeah, of. Absolutely. There's an elitism amongst certain people, not the majority, but there's enough. And that, and that, that small group is so goddamn loud. Understand that the margins in the restaurant industry are single digits. If, yeah. I mean, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, 15 to 20%, if, if you're lucky, if you're uber successful, exactly. And on the average, it's right. about, like you said, under 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to people who've made a living at five to 8% margins right. for decades. Right. But they're also working 36 hours a day, 395 days a year. Yes. I made yeah. those mistakes on purpose. They live, sleep and breathe it. They have no life. Uh, of their own because they're so passionate and committed to that their, their business. Right. They become um, engulfed in the business and yeah. they end up having no life yep. outside. And that's it. And, and listen, some people, you know. some people choose to do that and right. choose to do it forever. Mm -hmm. 
not because they have to, but because they want to. Others do it because they have to, and right. that's that's the nature of any business. Right, of course. Uh, but but listen, be especially in days in days like this, be kind to your restaurant owners, your servers. Over tip whenever possible, and mm-hmm. order you know order that something extra. And while the gift card thing is a wonderful idea, it's only potentially delaying the pain. Right, and I, I've I haven't been a proponent of buy yeah, gift cards. It's like taking an interest-free loan. That's that's exactly it. And then and then you have the people of the world who will complain when that place goes out of business. Say, well, I bought a fifty-dollar gift card. Now what? Right. You can't get blood from a stone. Right. You're better off just supporting them, inviting them, eating there more often, and really yeah. generating the now business. I mean, and and what I've been preaching since we started the the whole concept behind our business beacon and our our if you live here show is. If you can't afford to go out and do it, but you love the place, go onto their social media and share something that they right, do. Exactly. Tell a friend of yours why you love that place. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I have gotten more respect from people just because of posts that I've put up. Like our, our show, the episode you saw was from Joanne's. We shot that at Joanne's. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was Reno and I sitting down face to face. Our show, because of the whole lockdown, evolved so quickly we sat down for two months and said what the hell do we do now all these places are this is when they were literally closed right, right. we said what do we do now and they started doing takeout and I'm, I'm literally sitting in the room at the table on the other side of the podcast studio we've got a green screen set up and Corey, my my media uh my media director we're, we're sitting there and just bsing like i got an idea let's go get takeout right. and we came back here and we sat down we at that table <laughs> and we just started eating and talking right and it blew my mind. We did one for a place called New Wave Seafood right around the mm-hmm. corner from here. It's my, by far one of my, I used to love the River Bay back in the day in Williston Park. Me too, Park. I used to love that, the but Pole now it's Brothers. a TD Bank It's now. a TD Bank. I, sh- I shed a tear when that day yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. I used to love that place. It was the, one of my favorites. The bar, the yep. oysters. And Dean Paul was one of the nicest mm-hmm. guys I've ever met. And Dean and I go way back. Yet another Dean that I know now that mm-hmm. I think about it. Back to the days of, of Stan Shapiro and mm-hmm. decades and decades before a restaurant legend. Um but New Wave is by far one of my favorite seafood places around here. And it's right around the corner from my office and four minutes from my house. So I love it. We walked in. We sat down. We've got a floating little plate where to put the food on a, on a plate that rotated with mm-hmm. a green screen under it. We've got floating food all over. <laughs> uh, and we put up the video and we put, I think, 40 bucks in paid ads out there. We said, listen, let's spread the wealth. Let's test out our marketing chops. Right. I think we put five or 10 bucks a day for a couple of days. And we got 40,000 views on this thing. Wow. And, and I get a call. I get a message from, from one of the owners. She's like, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean? She goes, I've got more people coming in here <clears throat> telling me about they saw our place on this show. I've never met them before. Right. We did something good. I felt good oh, about it. Of course. It. Yeah, and she got to come in. We'll buy you dinner. I said, I don't do this for right. dinner. I don't charge to do this. I do it because I love it, and it's helping me build a, a business. Right. Uh, that we will charge for eventually, but we're in our we're working for free, right, like we mentioned to build earlier, your reputation. and we're learning Absolutely. to a build a reputation, b improve our skills, and find out where we think we're doing things that are right that's broken, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's become a dear friend of mine. I see her at least every 10, 12 days. I'm in right. there. I'm in there ordering something. And we do it for all the little places right. around here. And it, it's been a great idea. Yeah, and I can't, awesome. I can't wait to get back out there and do more like we did at the Burger Bar. Right. Vinny was a great guest. And Monet was great. She, while she doesn't want to be on camera, we yeah. caught her a couple of <laughs> times. She loves it. Trust me. Heather, Heather was fantastic. And those shows are great because I want to... The product is wonderful to promote, right. but the people are, are what make of the course, product it's, great. It's the backstory. You know, yeah. it's, it's how you get there. Yep. So you've been in this game. T- is, is it basically just you? You've got a team. No, What's the I, company I, I look have, like? I have a team. It's not just me. It started off just me. Yep. 
Um, I have project managers. I have uh, a chef that used to work for me in the city, works with me also. So in the consulting business, in my consulting business, I have like three project managers. I have a chef, I have a mixologist. So I have a team and then, you know, I have an outside network of things I do. So, um, when I get a new project, you know, usually I work with multiple projects at the same time. So what I do is I'll assign two or three different project managers to the projects and then I oversee the, okay. the projects or I'll handle one on my own. So I, I've definitely grown over the past couple of years. So thank God, you know, knock on wood, it's, it's been good. You know, surprisingly, listen, it, it was obviously rough when everything was shut down. We were all at a standstill when we were all yep. shut down, but uh, a lot of my projects that got put on hold, picked back up again, getting ready to open, construction's taking place. So, you know, thank God over the past couple of months I've been busy. What was the what was the biggest lesson you learned as a result? So I, I did a video the other day that we're going to we're going to release Monday or Tuesday next week and said, what if 2020 was actually the best year of your life? <laughs> and I, I can't wait for the response that oh, I get yeah. to because it's, it's a thought provoking piece that I put out there. At least I think it is. What was the biggest lesson you learned from 2020, whether it be positive or negative? Um, I mean, there, there was a lot of lessons I learned, you know what I mean? You know, you know, and it's lessons that I was taught as a kid from my father and my mother is like, you know, nothing's guaranteed forever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, we always look at things and, and the current state of mind and your mind can't see past what's in front of you. So if you're in a good state and you're making money and things are successful, you know, you, you think it's going to last forever. So, you know, that's probably one of the best lessons that I can pass on to anybody is just be prepared for the worst yeah. case scenarios. Like one thing I always was taught as a kid is, you know, live, live your life every day. Like it's your last like it's day, your last. Yep. but plan your future. Like you're going to live forever. It's funny. I, it's, I, it's a weird I thing. You know, a, I used a line in conversation. I think it was yesterday with train where I, I was talking about, you know, at the darkest point of my life, when I was going through my divorce, I was, I was heavy drinking and I was, mm -hmm. I was not in a good spot. Been there. Uh, and I, I've learned from two people. My, uh, I've studied marketing for 25 plus years. Uh, and Dan Kennedy has been huge inspiration and, and, and I've learned so much from him. And Dan always talked about the positive power of negative preparation. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you're in a real estate business and you're going to do a listing presentation, if you prepare for all the potential objections and negative responses you'll get, you'll always be prepared to, to work with them. Yeah. And they become questions, not objections. Absolutely. When I was at the bottom for me, Dad came in and saw me one day sleeping on the floor in the basement because I had moved back home to mom and dad's. Mm -hmm. uh, and we got to talking when I opened my eyes up. And he says, if you if you wake up every day of your life preparing for the absolute worst case scenario, you'll never be disappointed. <laughs> that's a good And one. it's a very dark way to look at things. And a lot of people have said to me, well, that that's so negative. And I looked at that and said, it's the most positive thing someone could say to me because of the way that I perceive it. Right. And I now do that. I, I, I look and I see... What is the worst case scenario? I've lost family members uh, to suicide. I've lost friends to disease and to illness and alcoholism and other things like that. Really dark stuff. And I find that I can find something positive to come out of all of it. You know, mm -hmm. the dar darkest spot to go, my, my you know, it's, it's my brother's, my brother's passing. I've got a better relationship with my sister-in-law and, and my nieces and nephews. There were some people in our lives that were cancerous to us, to the mm -hmm. family, to the extended family that we no longer deal with. There's a lot of positives that right, came right. out of it. Yeah, the loss, and I miss him every day. You know, here we are 12 years later. I think about him every day. I carry coins in my pocket from right. 1972, the year he was born, to right. never, so I never forget. But find, find those dark spots and say, what positive can you get from it? Because I do believe something positive can come out of anything and everything. No, no, absolutely. It's all perspective. It's how you look at things in yeah. life, you yep. know? 
So that was a tangent and a half that I went off of there. That was more <laughs> self-serving than anything else. I apologize, but it was good. I just had a very no, different, listen, I got a different vision for the rest of my day now, which I appreciate. No, it's, um, it's, it's a very, it's a very good thought. If you look at it, like you said, if you look at it from the right angle and you see it for what it is, I mean, it'll really help you have yeah. a really good perspective. And you, you'll, you, like you said, you'll never be disappointed yeah. and, and you'll always look at things from a positive standpoint. There's you know? positive and opportunity to come out of anything and everything. Right. I truly believe that sometimes you got to dig a little deeper. All right. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Sure. You reached out to me a couple of months ago. You had this brilliant idea, which I, I, I believe it's a brilliant idea. Let's talk about this app that you're starting, Dynevite. Right. Talk to me about the inspiration behind it, a little bit of the business behind it. And who and how, who it's going to serve and how. So, you know, the, the biggest challenge in the restaurant business is filling up your seats. Right. You know, besides all the other millions of challenges, there's no bigger challenge than that. And, you know, dealing with all of these clients, you know, you know, setting it up right, marketing plans in place, social media, Instagram and everything. Again, it's still, you know... Every restaurant has its challenges. How do I get people coming in here? Like what we were talking about earlier with keeping your averages up on your off days. So every restaurant has their off days. So how do restaurants fill up their seats when they don't know what to do? So you're busy and packed on a Friday night, but on a Monday night, it's a very helpless feeling to sit in your restaurant and be like, I have this whole staff sitting here. Nobody's ordering. Nobody's doing nothing. What do I do? And I was thinking about from a customer standpoint, you know, you want to go out to dinner on a, on a Monday or a Tuesday night with your family. It gets very expensive. If you have two kids, you want to go out to dinner. You're talking about two, $300. Yep. How many people can afford to do that more right. than once a week? So we wanted to create an, a, a unique platform for people to be able to do that and, and, and be able to connect restaurants with consumers. So we created a VIP offer platform, and it's called Dynevite. So what the technology does is it allows the restaurant to receive VIP offer requests from individual customers. So, for example, if you wanted to go out to dinner tonight, you would download the Dynevite app, look up the restaurant based on the parameters, and you'll send a request, and it'll say, hey, this is Dean. I'd like to have dinner at your restaurant tonight with four people. And that's it. The restaurant, the owner, whoever's manning the application on their end will get a ping or a notification on their phone. And it'll say, hey, uh, Dean Miller's looking to have dinner tonight at uh, six o'clock with four people. So now I'm the restaurant owner. I look around. I look at my reservation book. It's a Monday night. I know I'm going to be slow. So I want to I want to make you feel special. So you know what? You want to create an experience. Exactly. Create an experience. So, Dean, you come in tonight. I'm going to offer you 20 percent off your entire check. So now you get the offer back from me. You accept it. I get a notification. Hey, Dean will be at your restaurant tonight at six o'clock. There's a geo tracking in the app, which when you create your profile, you can upload your picture. So I'll get a ping and it'll say, hey, Dean Miller's approaching your restaurant with your picture. I might not have ever seen you before. Right. So now you walk in with your wife and kids and I'm like, hey, Mr. Miller, welcome to. You've got the VIP you know, experience. So now you, you feel like a million bucks. I sit you down at your table, you have your dinner, you have your experience, you're treated like gold, 
the discount is applied discreetly to your check. And just just as a as a disclaimer, that twenty percent discount you mentioned is not a set thing. It's just that's you, the you, offer you can, that the right, owner you, wanted to make. He could have offered you a free glass of wine, right. a free dessert. In his side of the application, he can create up to thirty preset offers from one percent to thirty percent from it. free dessert, from free bottle of wine to whatever he wants yep. to just a, 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 just giving you a table. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So whatever he wants to offer you, as little or as much as he wants to offer. Offer. It's his discretion, and it's a one-time offer. He doesn't have to give anybody else that same offer, but you. So, and he if, can make a different offer to everybody that absolutely. same day, night, week. If if an hour later he happens to get busy and he doesn't want to give away thirty percent, he can give away ten percent. He can right. give away a free drink, or it's up. It's we're giving back the control to the restaurant, which is what I love about it, right? And, and that's something as a restaurateur, as yours, a restaurateur, that's something that's been taken away from us over the past 10, 15 years with all of these technologies. We've slowly given up control of it. Just like in many industries, technology has come along and technology is never going to replace the best business people in the world, in my opinion. It's right. going to create automation and other, but it's going to create new opportunities. Right. But what it's done is because it came along, it was like the frog in the pot of boiling water on the stove. He didn't know it was boiling until it was too late. Right. It's been taken away slowly, A, because we've allowed it to right. in every industry. In the right. restaurant business, we gave it up to Yelp and Open Table and all the exactly. others. And, you know, in real estate, we gave up to Zillow and Redfin and, mm -hmm. and Realtor.com. And I don't blame those companies for no, doing what they do. No, I they, blame, we, we allowed them to do I, it. That's right. right. I blame, uh, and I, I think more people need to take responsibility right, 100%. for that. It was people taking shortcuts. There was yeah. no alternative solutions. I'm glad you mentioned that. So, so the biggest problem with these other third-party platforms is they provide the same solution for you, mm -hmm. but now they want a huge percentage of the transaction. Because they figured out how to do it, right. now they feel that so you're where, at where their mercy. where does that leave the restaurant at the end of the day? So the beauty about Dynevite is we're not charging any percentage of the transaction. We're not charging any percentage of the sale. So it, it allows a better customer experience because... We're creating a platform for a restaurant and a, and a consumer to connect directly and have a, a, a real conversation about where they want to eat, what kind of offer they're going to get, and nobody's getting a piece of it. So what happens with these other platforms is like when you give them 20% off, but you're losing another 30% as a commission. Right. So now what are you left with? So right. it, it ends up being a very miserable experience for the restaurateur and for the customer because they're not treated the way they should be treated. Correct. Because- the restaurant's really not getting anything. No, and in many cases, they're losing right. money. So so we set up Dynevite as a service, as a software platform where we're going to charge a very minimal fee. It's going to be $39 a month, like which is, you know, $1.15 a dollar fifteen. And that's day. to the restaurant. That's, that's not to, to the, the restaurant. Consumer. Just to be on the platform, mm -hmm. to use it as a tool to connect when they're slow. So, for example, if a restaurant's really busy on a Friday night, their dinner rush ends at nine o'clock, but their kitchen's open till 11. Hey, take the app, have whoever's there. It's, it's meant to be used when you're slow. Turn it on and start accepting offers or put out, you can actually put out a live offer and say, hey, tonight only at so-and-so's restaurant from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock, we're doing 25% off or free appetizers. And, and then just, from within the app, they can share that using social, using the app. Absolutely. Using app, and, yeah. and, and we're going to spend an incredible amount of money getting people to download and use the app. Mm -hmm. So people will get ping notifications, whether they're a certain distance away from the restaurant or just have notices, they'll see a live feed on it. We're going to do a lot of social media marketing. Yeah. Th this was all supposed to be launched 
March of last right. year. And what happened is, unfortunately, when we were at the trade show signing up restaurants for this launch, three days later, New York City got shut down. March of 2020. March of 2020. Okay. We yep. had a booth at the New York City restaurant yep. show at the Javits Center. We had signed up something like a thousand restaurants I mean, in three days. And, and the restaurant show was maybe at 20% occupancy from what it usually is. Yep. And we had an incredible feedback. And Unfortunately, we had to put everything on hold. And, and even till now, we were gearing up to launch again, and then things started to spike up again. So we kind of pulled back the brakes and just fine tuning everything on the back end, um, getting the brand messaging right, just, you know, you know, sometimes when you rush to get something out there, uh, Rev is working with us on the project. I mean, he, he's just a genius yeah. w- with what he does. And he's a huge asset to yep. what we're doing at Dynevite. I mean, you know, he, he helped us put together the brand Bible and the messaging and just make sure everything has a clear, unique message about the type of experience we want people to have when they're using this product, you know, and, and creating that VIP experience. And, and one of the things that I loved about it that you, you told me when you, you were first kind of walking me through it a couple of weeks back, there's always that awkward pause in a transaction when it comes time for the check and there's a discount, right? you know, and, and you, you, you hinted at kind of, I don't know if it was specifically that you were hinting at it, but the, the whole Groupon kind of thing. Right, right, right. Groupon, in, I think Groupon single-handedly could put almost every restaurant out of business if oh, they're yeah. not careful. And, and, you um, know, there, there's an industry joke. They say Groupon is where restaurants go to go die. Go to die, yep. <laughs> I, I remember that from before I even launched my place, people said the same, whatever yeah. you do, don't do that. And then there right. were two people around me who said, oh no, we live and die off of that. And right. I said, well, I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, because <laughs> I wanted to knock the wall down and get bigger. Thank right. God for me, it didn't work yeah, out yeah. that way. I got to get out. Yeah. Um, but it takes away that awkward moment at of the course. end of it because this the whole transaction is basically a negotiation between the paying customer and the restaurant owner. That awkwardness of here's your discount, it's right. all discussed. There's no voucher. Right. There's no voucher. There's no coupe. The reason why the vouchers are taking so seriously with other companies is because they get a percentage of that transaction. So the only way for them to track their money is by creating this embarrassing situation where I have to get the manager over here to redeem the check and what's your voucher number, whether they're using any of these third-party companies. And uh, with us, like I said, because we're not getting a percentage of the sale, you know, whether you do one sale a month or a hundred sales, God bless, we're just giving you the tool that you need at a minimal cost to kind of have another way so you don't feel helpless. So those Monday nights comes, those Tuesday night comes, those early dinner rush ends. You want to just keep your foot on the gas, go on there and and, and put out out an offer. So... With, with sorry to interrupt. Go. With with Dynevite, not only are you allowed to accept a VIP offer request, which you can turn on and off whenever you want, you can put up live offers whenever you want. So if you don't want to receive the offers, you can just put on the app. You know what? I've been in business ten years. I know every Monday between two o'clock and four o'clock, I'm dead. Let me put out an early bird special, and just leave it out there. It's not going to co- again. Right. You're paying thirty nine dollars a month, no matter how many offers you put out. And it, Correct me if I'm wrong. The consumer can pitch an offer to a restaurant owner as well. Was was that? No, no. no. The, the okay. consumer can just. We we didn't want the, we didn't want it to be like you know let's make a deal like give me fifty gotcha. percent okay. off and I'll come there. It's, now it's that just, I think about it, would probably be a disastrous yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just letting the restaurant know I'm looking to have dinner at your restaurant. Kind of you know make me an offer. You know what I mean? And and it it just gives like I said you know restaurants unfortunately restaurants don't have you know because of the technology with point of sale systems 
a restaurant can't set up a fluctuating menu like airlines. Right. Right. So airlines, if you fly on a Friday or Saturday, the prices are up at a certain point, and you you know you fly on a Monday six mm-hmm. a red eye, the flight's going to be a lot cheaper. So restaurants can't set up a situation like that because there's too many other variables right. involved. But they should be allowed the flexibility to be able to do that when necessary. So we're giving them the control to be able to do that to create those offers on the fly, to accept VIP offer requests. And we're also giving the consumer a voice to reach out to a restaurant and say, look, it's a Tuesday night, it's snowing, but I'd really like to eat at your yeah. restaurant. You know what I mean? So we used you, to, know, you open those lines of communication and, and great things happen. We, we were, The one place we were blessed in being on 10th Avenue as opposed to 9th Avenue, if you, if you know New York City. I, I know the city uh, very Hell's well. Kitchen. well I'm, I'm, 9th Avenue, if you trip and fall down, you could have a different limb in a different restaurant, right, four exactly. different restaurants. Yeah, exactly. they're, they're packed on top of each other. We were on 10th Avenue, which was a blessing and a curse. Because we never got that foot traffic. So we mm-hmm. had to do a really good job of, of building our customer base over there. between the, the businesses. And we were blessed to have, you know, um, Comedy Central had a studio up there. CBS had a studio there. Um, the Daily Show was two avenues and right. one block away. So we were in a good spot if we could capture people. And we got a lot of the people who serviced Broadway who lived in the area, which was great. So we had, you know, we had a lot of... Um, I don't want to say B-list, but we had a lot of celebrity-ish type people that if you knew who they were, you knew them. But if you didn't mm-hmm. know them, they, you'd walk right past them. Right. So I had, I had, uh, um, you know, Terry Crews and and uh, um, like I said, Clive. I rumor had it, Clive Davis was in oh, there, wow. and we used to we used to host for the Daily Show and the Nightly Show all the time, um, and Entertainment Tonight, sixty Minutes, and uh, we we had a lot of really good people, but we really had to work to build that network and build a loyalty with them. And I want to kind of start to rap a little bit and say, say what I love about your app is that it creates the offer, but where I think the value and it comes even more if the restaurant owner understands it is how to build that loyalty. Right. Because in the restaurant business, most people will tell you, you need to get someone in the door and out happily three times before right. they become a client. Exactly. They're a one-off customer until then. You got to keep wowing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those things that I, I read in Taffer's book uh, and, and it just stuck to me. The minute I read it, it was like, you got to right, get right. them back the third time. How do you do it? And I saw him do an interview with Gary V, and I was like, yeah, it's exactly what I've been doing because he told me to do it five years earlier. Right. Um, so it was, it was fun to watch. But I, I think from the owner standpoint where the owners have to look at this app and say it has to become a tool to create massive loyalty, right, right. not just to fill a void or of no, an empty and, seat. And, and there's, there's a lot of, I, I gave you the front of it <coughs> on the back end, the technology that we built with a built in CRM, the ability to retain those customers, to continually communicate with them. There's a lot of bells and whistles in the back end. Let's let's use this final segment to talk about that because you're leaning to my favorite part of any business, and that's the marketing. Mm-hmm. I truly believe CRM database. It's it's how I managed to survive in the restaurant business. I took my real estate, my database knowledge from the real estate business into the restaurant world and customized what I knew how to do and mm-hmm. said, "This is what I know. I'm going to build it." I was blessed that I figured out early how to do hand to hand combat and build a database of a couple thousand people. Right. And I was getting open rates on my weekly email in excess of 75% in right. the beginning. Right. And it was because everybody knew me and I told them, it's coming. If you don't open it, I'm going to send you another one to remind you because we're friends. We've <laughs> built we've built that relation. I asked you for a favor. You said yes. Right. I expect you to honor that favor at least half the time. Right. 
So we were getting amazing open rates until we got the, when we got the database up to about 5,000 people, then the numbers started to really drop a lot mm-hmm. because you just can't expect it to work. But talk to me about the importance, because I, I think it's where most restaurant owners uh-huh. fail. A one million percent. And, 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 and it all starts with restaurants pigeonholing themselves <laughs> into very low end point of sale technology. Your point of sale is the most important thing you're going to pick when you're opening up a restaurant. It's the brains of your operation, not only internally from dispatching your order, sending the tickets to certain printers and knowing what's a dessert and what's not a dessert and keeping track of your sales reports and analytics. Besides that, every time somebody's going to order online, every time somebody creates a reward or or a loyalty program. So picking the right point of sale system is is incredible, uh, incredibly important. So, for example, am I allowed to plug a company Anything. I work with? Of course. So, I, I like to work with a company called Toast. Yep. Uh, the reason I like Toast, it was built just for restaurants. So, there's other point of sales out there, like Micros. Micros, you can walk into a supermarket, a restaurant, a laundromat. They're all over. Micros. Yep. Uh, Square and, and all of these other companies, they, they're not specifically built for restaurants. What I love about Toast is they built it specifically by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And every piece of technology, every add-on, every integration is incredibly important. Like, for example, they have a built-in email integration. So a lot of restaurants, you know, you have MailChimp and Mm -hmm. Constant Contact. and and, And it's kind of tedious because... You have to create, you have to embed a page for people to sign up to your email marketing program. And then you have to get them, like you said, to open the rate and where it comes from, powered by constant contact. You were you were required to, the consumer, in order for the for you to get the desired result you wanted, you needed the consumer to take multiple actions. Exactly. And and, yeah. and it's, and, and, to, and for them to, and like you said, we all know how hard it is for people yep. to do that. You literally, if it's more than one or two clicks, they lose interest. Yep. I, this is too hard. I'm not doing it. So... The good thing about Toast is because they built in their email marketing into their point of sale, mm-hmm. they literally created their own version of MailChimp within the system. Right. So now when you go online to order from a restaurant that uses Toast, you obviously put up your email address, you create your profile, you sign up for awards, you have your email. So now it keeps track whenever you come in there. So that email marketing is built in. So for example, if a restaurant comes in, you can set automatic things. Like let's say the, uh, uh, the same customer comes in and he his average check averages is above a certain level. Like let's say you think over 75 is a big check. So if he spends over $75, he'll get an email on his way home saying, hey, Thank you for being a big spender Triggers at the Beth Page Burger Bar. Yep. Here's a coupon for you to come in again. And now you just gave them a reason to come back quickly. Another thing it does, if it doesn't see a restaurant for, for let's say, three weeks or four weeks, you set the parameters, let's say 30 days. Hey, we haven't seen you at this restaurant yep. in 30 days. Here's a 25% coupon. Please come on in and, you know, remember how yeah. great our food was. And you put pictures of the food yep. and create offers. So having that built in with automated features to track when they make the sale, is priceless. A, it's priceless. B, it's not as complex as, and I think the reason why so many people in the restaurant industry fail to do it is because they have a fear of how complex, difficult it is. Um, it, it, Toast was the one that we were considering when I was going to open my second place mm-hmm. um, when we were leaving the city. And, and for that reason, specifically, let's talk about me. I've been an Infusionsoft user in the real estate world for eight, seven, eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. 
it had so much automation and campaigns oh, yeah, built it's, into it's it. Incredible. And it's automation is a wonderful thing if it's used for the right reasons. Right. And if it comes across as authentic, we never robotically put things in there. It, everything was written in my, in my voice. It sounded mm -hmm. when people opened it, whether I wrote it that just that second, or I wrote it six months ago and put it into an automated campaign, they knew it was coming from me. Right. You know, um, there was, there was an authenticity about it because I, I knew that the reason why I was able to build the restaurant that I built was because not because I was good at it. I had no experience at owning and running one. I just looked at everything we did from a consumer standpoint. So right. What would the customer want? Who is the customer? And that's the smartest you know, thing to do. We were in hell's kitchen. I, I am a middle-aged, slightly overweight white guy from Nassau County going to hell's kitchen. We want to talk about every kind of diversity under of the sun. Course, yeah. We went from black to white to gay to straight, everything in the middle, every religion, every economic. And it's what I loved about it. Right. I never, I knew exactly who I was dealing with every day because I never knew who I was going to deal with. You know, <laughs> exactly, that was, that yeah, was yeah. the joy of it for me. Uh, and I loved that. And I, I, some of the best relationships I have to this day right. came as a result of who I was with and what I learned while I was right. there. The, the biggest Go. mistake a lot of restaurants make is, when they're building a menu and building a concept, it's, it's, they kind of make it about what they like. And I tell my clients all the time, it's not about what you like, yep. it's what the customers are like. And when you put that point of sale in place, you're pretty much creating a poll and people are going to vote using the menu. And after three months, you need to evaluate that. And if something's not selling, move it off the menu, add something. They're going to vote with their idea. wallet. They're going to vote with your menu. They're going to vote with their 100%. feet. 100%. And people don't get that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sad that they don't get it, but you know, Again, we're trying to get the message across. And I think I think any restaurant that puts a fair amount of investment into it could see a huge return on it very quickly to the point where if they don't pay attention, they can be overwhelmed if they do mm -hmm. it right. Absolutely. And I think there are campaigns out there and people who do it. Um, and I only say it because it was something that I considered building when I, when I was exiting the industry, saying this platform that I designed for me, that I custom built for me with my hands got, getting dirty, it worked. Right. I, I think it was something that if, if it were my, if it were my, if it were time, available unlimited resource to do it. I could have built a great company out of it and sold it to a company like toast or a consulting group, because I, I think it made sense. And it was all about loyalty to us. Right. And I, I think more and more restaurants need to start to pay attention to their database, building it, building it, understanding what a database is, building a database and leveraging the shit out of that to be a Absolutely. mutual benefit. You, you know what the biggest problem is that they, they don't have the proper plan in place. You know, a lot of guys, they open up a restaurant and say, you know what, I'm going to spend half a million, a million, build this restaurant, people are just going to show up. It doesn't work that way. And they don't think about putting a plan in place till they've been in business for nine months. The honeymoon Oops. period is over. You've had five to 10,000 people walk through your door, have no way to reach out to those people and try to get them to come back, made no effort. And and then you wonder why, you know, the, the restaurant business is an 80% failure rate. I don't see it as spam I, because I, I love watching it. And I'm, I'm weird. I'm a marketer. I, I was a guy who collected direct mail postcards in my house for years at a time to track how people were sending them out so I could mm -hmm. study the best. I think uh, – let, let me jump away from that. Let's, let's finish up here. Restaurant industry exclusively we're talking about. How much time do you think a restaurant owner should put in weekly into focusing, if they were to block X amount of hours a week and only do it once a week to, into their marketing, how much time do you think they should they should be investing in that? 
I think I don't think there's a limit. I think as much as they can. What do they have? What What is the bare minimum? I mean, the bare minimum. I would say at least fifteen to twenty hours yeah. a week as a bare, bare, bare minimum. And that's it. And that's so- it's literally it's it's it should be a full time job. I agree. I mean, you know, there's an old saying, you, you know, work on your business. Don't work for your yep, business. Yep. And if you spend 40 hours a week working on your business, you'd be surprised. I mean, there's so many things you can do on social media to get people to follow your page and engage with people and, it's and easy. private message them. It's 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 very easy, but nobody does it. Step number one for every restaurant out there. You want my real quick plan. Step number one, learn how to use the camera on your iPhone. Right. Okay. Num- number two, buy a $20 LED light to hold somewhere outside so you avoid shadows. Right. I've watched more restaurant owners try to do this, and all you see is shadows and ugly right. pictures. pictures. Find someone who's an actual good person who's a true influencer. They don't right. need a million followers. They need a 1,000 that they're engaged with. Ask them to come to your restaurant and take pictures in your kitchen. Just don't run them over. Right. People will do, like you said, free. Right. For, for a free meal, they'll come hang out. and Not and, even for a free meal sometimes. They right. want the exposure just as right. much. They, they want, like what we were discussing, they want to build their bones yeah. and get their experience and get their notches and, in and their belt. And think about that. If I, as a, if I, as a business owner, have a 1,000 followers, and you as a consumer or potential influencer has a thousand followers, isn't there benefit in us? And and none of the thousand of each, either of ours know mm-hmm. of the other people, the other right. people. Let's expose my brand to your audience and vice versa. And maybe each pick right. up a hundred followers from it. You, you know what the biggest mistake restaurants are making nowadays? What's that? And this is, it's such, it's so tragic for me to watch because I know the solution. You know, obviously with the pandemic, all of these restaurants started gearing towards takeout and delivery, mm-hmm. right? And what did they all do? They all ran to turning to DoorDash and seamless Grubhub, and, Grubhub and, seamless yeah. and giving up ridiculous. I mean, I don't even think people know. When I talk to people on a regular basis, I'm like, you know, when you order $100 of food for somebody through DoorDash, they're on, the restaurant's only getting $70? Yeah, nobody knows and that. And they're like, really? Yep. And I'm like, yeah. And you know what the craziest thing is? You go on a restaurant's website, and there are a lot of restaurants out there doing this. Guys that you think are really smart operators, yeah. five, six locations. You go on their website, and what do you see? The first thing you see is that flashing Grubhubs. Yes, it, on it their own website. Me, drives me insane. Why on earth would yeah. you promote a third-party platform Listen. when you should have your own stu- your own situation in place? Your own delivery in place, your own guys in place, yeah. a third-party delivery platform that'll charge you $6 to deliver an order rather than 30% of a $100 order. Listen, maybe this is what we need to do. I just had this vision of the three stooges. You, me, and Rev sit down via Zoom or StreamYard once a month, and we rant and tell these people, what the hell are you doing yeah, it's, wrong? It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, you know what I'm saying? It drives me crazy. I'm going to tell you two more things yeah. real quick. The other thing that drives me even more crazy, you know, when you go on somebody's Google listing, mm-hmm. that's your private business Google listing. Yep. So try it on your phone right now. Yeah. If, you, if you go on a Google listing and you and you Google, you know, let's, are we picking on someone? Pick, or pick, do- no, pick any restaurant you want. Pick a restaurant that you know. Uh, listen, let's let's pick the burger bar. Well, that's not that's that's the <laughs> example. That's of, the I'm exam- going to show you what it's yeah. done right. So let's let's pick. Um, I don't want to rip anybody apart. No, it's, it's, it's going to, you're going to help yeah. them. Let's, let's do this. There's a place that just closed down here in Seaford. What's it we, called? It was called the Lobster Shack. Okay. Well, let's see. The Lobster Shack. Let's see if their, if their uh, listing is still up. Lobster Shack. Let's see who can Google it faster. 
Okay, so you go on their Google page, right? Right. And you see over here. Hold on. Okay. So you see where it says place an order? Right. See, see place an order? What does that say? Place an order. What's the thing that's next to it? I don't have my glasses on. It says DoorDash. DoorDash. There so you go. So on their website, when you when you go on your Google page and you're clicking place an order, the only link on there is going to DoorDash. To, to a website that's not yours. Exactly. So again, that's another thing that drives me crazy. Yep. If you have your online ordering set up, make sure you go on your Google page. You have your direct and link, link as the primary yeah. link and, and remove all of those third-party links. The value of your own home base being your website highlighted by your social media you keep all these third parties at a, at at least three, of course, three arms listen, lengths away is the way you have to do it if 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 doordash is to earn or grubhub or uber eats is to earn a 30 percent commission it should be because somebody went on their app correct searched through a listing of restaurants based on category and preferences saw your restaurant and ordered directly through your app yep. that's it there's no reason to put a link on your website, link on no. your social media, link on your menu, delivery through DoorDash. It just doesn't even make sense. Honestly, I, I, I don't have to ever like to say any of my ideas are brilliant, but I, th I think a guy like you, a guy like Rev, with the knowledge that you have at a higher level, and I don't say this to, to kiss your ass, but at no, a higher no, no, level I, I based on experience. That. Thank you. With a, with a clown like me who got his ass kicked in the middle but knows a lot about marketing, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to shy away from that, I probably know more about marketing than 95% of the restaurant owners out there mm -hmm. because it's what I've always focused on. Right. I want to be a resource to them. But I think the idea of sitting down and doing kind of a roundtable with, let's may, maybe that's something we, we talk about doing in the not-too-distant yeah, yeah, future. And say, listen, let's let's invite – Let's do it on a Monday when, if any, if your restaurant's going to be closed, it's most likely going to be on a Monday. Mm -hmm. Let's do it on a Monday and see if we can stir the shit a little yeah. bit and see if we can help some Listen, people out. There's, you know, one of the things, I, I don't know if I even told you this because it, it all just transpired recently. Two things. Um, a, what, what I do and, and the experience I have, because it, it applies outside of the restaurant business as well, I'm branching off my A to Z restaurant consulting into A to Z business consulting yep. as well. So I'm starting to take on clients outside of the restaurant business, you know, because a lot of people, you know, whether it's restaurateurs or not restaurateurs, they're in a business, whether it's a paper supply company or, or a spa or a gym, they, they don't know how to put all the pieces together. The best way to build a business is to focus on businesses outside of the one that you're in. <laughs> I spend more of my time studying psychology and marketing, not real estate, mm -hmm. when I'm in the real estate business. Of course. On the marketing side, I look at other people's and systems and development and things. And that's what you have to do is pay yeah, attention. Yeah. And you can find a technology platform that works for another business and say, how do I either there has to be something that was already developed or maybe I can develop something yeah. like this to apply to this business. And there's a good chance something out there already exists. And if yeah, it yeah. doesn't, it's probably not that complicated yeah, to create. Exactly. We could do this for hours. I know you've got somewhere to literally have somewhere else to be. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to let you go. I can't thank you enough for coming no, in here pleasure. and doing this. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it, it, and I, and I look forward to evolving this relationship. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, best place for people to reach you social 
Um, you know, where, where you know, can people my, find you? They can go on my website. website. It's A, the number two, the letter Z, restaurantconsulting.com. Or they could call me. My cell phone number is 917-407-4200. You know, I've been helping a lot of restaurants through this pandemic. Yeah. You know, I've been working pro bono, giving hours away to people. So if you're out there, you need help, give me a call. I'll be more than happy. And it's, it's part of why I wanted time. to have you here is, is to kind of give back to you and, and help you get a little bit notor- more notoriety Thank for you. all the things that you've done well during during this this nightmare and hellish bs yeah, that we're dealing with uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we're at the tail end of that it, so. that's it it's it's time to start winding down and yep. looking for bigger and better yep. opportunities or or pivoting and I, I think that's a lot a lot of what this is about and i'd love I, i'd love to talk more about Absolutely. your pivot into the business anytime you want forward. ladies and gentlemen ed fami a great guy like i said a to z consulting follow him check him out as always, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. And again, we want to give a shout out to today's unpaid sponsor. If you live here, if you're from Nassau County, especially or Long Island, take a look on Facebook. Look at what we're doing. If you know a restaurant or a small business, local, locally owned business that's owned by people you know and love from your community, make the effort. Go on there and tag them in one of our comments. Reach out to us by messenger or by DM. We would love to put together a piece to highlight and spotlight these great people for the wonderful things they're doing and to help keep them afloat. Let's keep this economy moving in the right direction. Let's not let outside forces get in the way of us having success as we define it. Take control of your life. Take control of your business. Let us know what we can do to help. As always, thank you so much for listening. This is Opportunity Knox. I am Dean Miller. We look forward to seeing you again in the next episode. And cut.